Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are going to be giving you one of 50 Mama interviews. These interviews have been conducted by Drama Victoria over the last two years to celebrate their 50th birthday. These 50 interviews are 50 conversations with 50 legends of the Victoria drama teaching game. So sit back, relax and enjoy a slightly longer than usual version of The Aside. Please note that the audio quality varies depending on where the interview was recorded. Okay, here we are with the lovely Meg Upton for Interview Mama, interview number eight, I believe, today. Eight. Excellent. Um, Welcome. (laughs) Thank you, Ellie. Uh, So we're going to start with how, when and why you became a drama educator. Okay, well, my first first role in life was as a secretary for a legal firm in Gravel Street, Paran after I left school and it was meant to be short term and I stayed there for three years. But in the meantime, I still kept dancing. So dance was my entree into drama education. And then I decided I would follow my friend to Rusden so I could do dance. That's all I wanted to do. I decided I'll go to Rusden and do dance, which I did. But then I also did drama. Um, and then I had no ambition to be a, a teacher at all. That wasn't can, part of Can we of talk it. years? Is that oh, okay, <laughs> we, sh- we sure can. So I went to Rusden, I joined Rusden 82. Mm-hmm. So 82, 83, 84, and finished at the end of 85. So my first teaching year was 86. But what, what became, as, as you do, you discover. And of course, Rusden was like feral and wild and had mm-hmm. all its resources at the time where you were working. You were doing like three or four dance classes a week and you were doing full days of rehearsal and studio work for drama um, and all those other subjects. Oh, I can't even remember what they were, but that was sort of, I think, psychology and the adolescent was one. I've still got the book. <laughs> uh, I also, I think I did a little bit of literature, which was really great because writing's sort of one of my things. Um, and so I had the best four years. I was it's just so intense. Rusden was such an intense place in the, in the early to mid 80s. And, um, but the teaching part of it was always one of those things that I feel was almost secondary to everyone. Mm. And then you start teaching. So then you go out on what we called, we used to call rounds. Um, or, I think, yeah, and I was with Charles Slukey at Hyatt. Was I? Yes, <laughs> and Russell Davies at Hyatt. That was my first. Um, and I just went, wow, this is awesome. This was, Peter Rosethorn was there as well. There's a whole team of us at, at Hyatt High School, and um, as it was then, doing this thing. And I just went, oh, this is, this is really cool. And Charles was a bit of a maverick too, so you, you understood, well, oh, you know, I reckon I could, I could do this. And then... Um, I went to Berwick Secondary School and David Mustafa was at Berwick and Jane Marshall was at Berwick and they just built a new performing arts centre as well. So suddenly it start, your world, the pieces start to come together. But I think the thing that drama teaching, teaching is about young people mm. and it's about the energy that they give you and you suddenly go, wow, I want to hang out with you <laughs> and I want to do stuff with you that's going to be creative. Um, and so I remember distinctly my very first drama class at Berwick Secondary College when I was when I was asked to come back and take a full-time permanent role there in 1986 
was actually in the foyer of the gym, as they usually are, not in the performing arts centre, but year seven sitting on a floor in a circle and beginning that, that journey of drama teaching. It was just magic. Mm. Cool. Mm. So that's, that's the beginning. Awesome. Um, and so over those many years yes. of teaching, um, what are the main changes that you've seen in drama education? Yeah, interesting. Um, curriculum, I, the journey of curriculum um, in Victoria has been really interesting, but, um, particularly the impact of senior curriculum and its trickle-down effect. But I think, I think in my early years of teaching, we, uh, we did have, we did, uh, we, had a freedom, I think, to teach a whole range of things that we had both experienced in our own training and wanted to explore without necessarily the constraints of a curriculum that I think is much more apparent in drama teaching now, particularly the trickle-down effect from senior down into junior years. We did lots of devising, we did lots of games. I've failed miserably in lots of ideas that I, like year nine on a Friday afternoon, never do relaxation. What a, <laughs> what a ridiculous idea that is. Um, uh, how to, but, but just we had permission to play and develop curriculum within that without necessarily having to tick lots and lots of boxes around outcomes. So that was really good. I remember teaching seniors as well when drama was a group two subject in the second part of the 80s. So it was didn't count as part of the HSC as it was then. It was it didn't have a score associated with it, but you still had a pass-fail until the VCE was introduced in the late, in the early 90s. And then suddenly, of course, you were in that more competitive framework. And so that made you think, oh, okay, so everything I've been doing, I now have to rethink in terms of how it's going to be assessed, so to speak. So for me, that's the major change is the playfulness and the um, the adventurous nature that I think I undertook drama teaching in the late 80s suddenly became a bit more serious mm. um, and you had to be much more accountable. But the 90s was when I went to Halebury and I went as a dance teacher. Oh, okay. And I taught a little bit of drama but mainly dance. So I again, year nine, dance, ooh, interesting. And the changes that occurred in drama, were they the similar in, in terms of the way things rolled out for, from group two subjects to mainstream yeah, subjects yeah. in dance as well? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, although we, they didn't have senior dance, so I was just really um, teaching nines and tens mm -hmm. and then doing choreography, so I was sort of resident choreographer at Halebury for all the musicals and the senior stuff. I did some amazing stuff with the football team one year. <laughs> yeah, we did a. It was really cool. We did a. Um, uh, we used Rhapsody in Blue, and we did a gangster choreography awesome. with blue lights and spats and tables and yeah, it was quite extraordinary. And they were all part of the football team. Is there video footage of this? Yeah, I'll probably Stuart Bell's somewhere, got it. Somewhere in the Halebury Yeah, archive. but that, that whole I, that whole idea of repositioning your art form, which is I think you know, there's I don't think yeah. the one thing that hasn't changed for me is the advocacy and positioning of your of the of what we do within the school structures and how it, it is always sits at a precarious point and you go and, and sometimes it's championed depending on and then sometimes it's the thing that can go because we've got now got other priorities so having in the I think this was 1993 or 4 so having a whole you know 15, 16 footballers on stage doing this amazing dance stuff was like a, oh, <laughs> particularly for the sports coach, the senior football coach who I had to, you know, fight with. 
<laughs> to say this tonight and this week is my grand final. You can have them next week for yours. <laughs> yeah, so so those that positioning I think is a non-changing, but definitely curriculum, the way we've, you know, in order for us, I suppose, as drama educators to um, be accountable for and to um, position our what we do in a really powerful way. I think the assessment stuff has had a big impact on the way we practice, yeah. Definitely, mm. at the higher level. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the highs and lows, you've already mentioned one of the highs with the, oh, uh, yeah, that was cool. the football, <laughs> yeah. football team, but I'm sure there are many other highs and lows that you can recall. I think, um, well, after Halebury I went to Shelford, so I had four years at a government school, um, which was full of highs, just full. We had, um, Peter and I yesterday were talking about the scaffold, we all had scaffolding towers <laughs> to get to the access, the lighting, and we had, he had one of those tipping moments and we had a tipping moment. We also, had, we also decided we'd have a scaffold party, so we made all the staff climb the scaffold and we set up the party on the lighting deck that went around that you could access the lights. So it was pretty cool. But you could do that in the 80s because oh, HNS was, oh yeah, whatever. So that was, that was nothing to do with drama, but it was about using equipment in a creative way. Um, Berwick was um, fantastic. Three young drama teachers at three points just renegades just doing what we wanted to do and taking the school with us. Fantastic. <laughs> Halebury was more formal and introducing dance into, well I didn't introduce dance but I had to, I was the first female teacher to, to be teaching it at the school. Um, that had lots and lots of highs as well but Shelford was really interesting so I went from boys to girls. The technical low, <laughs> we had this shocking old hall that where we had to produce things. And we had um, lighting bars that had no weight. You know, now you have to you have to get your weight weighting checked so that um, how much you could bear. How much you could bear. Yeah. So we're up there with, and I'd been I used to <coughs> like like yourself do on um, ex students to come in and, and help do things. So we were setting up for a show, and Hi, I had a, an ex student <laughs> coming in who was now working in lighting professionally, and I had my head of drama standing underneath just supervising this and the whole lighting bar gave way. Oh my God. And we just called heads really loudly. I was up on an A-frame doing something else in the body of the hall. It just fell and smashed onto the stage. And it was like the, the, one of those moments where, as Peter was saying yesterday, this could have been deeply tragic or it was actually a, a, a thing. And so what I did was I climbed down from the A-frame and I walked straight into the principal's office and I said, we need that infrastructure now because I'd been fighting for it for 12 months. And I explained to her what had happened and guess what happened, of course. <laughs> we, suddenly got, we suddenly got money and an investment so that we were able to work safely and you know, be able to do that. But wow. it was one of those moments where, I, and I still feel quite wobbly when I think about what nearly happened to this young woman who was standing underneath the lighting bar. But, you know, sometimes you've got to have those impactful moments, don't you, too? Yeah. <laughs> Break through the boundaries. Break through the boundaries. So that was a bit of a low, but it had a good outcome. Um, I think we all have... Um, I think also uh, being able to shift culture is a high. Like, I shifted the culture from just doing the Rock of Steadford, that was the only production that was ever done at the school at Shelford, shifting that into a whole range of other Of course they had a dance teacher. Yeah, so we did, you know, <laughs> that was, that was, I reckon, I reckon 
if you can shift culture and take it with you and sort of do that gently, we, I did my best teaching at Chelford because despite the principal being a little bit blind to certain things, she, was, she let you play, she let you do things. So we mm. did some amazing, amazing work. So that was, for teaching, that was my high. Um, and then it also had that deep low where we nearly killed everyone. <laughs> um. Um, most memorable experiences. You've touched on, on one of them specifically, but um, other particularly think, impactful, memorable yeah. experiences that, that you've had. Oh, so many. Um, most of them tend to be... Uh, no, I, I... Can I... Can I yeah. push in terms of the, um, I know that you've written amazing education resources for so many wonderful companies, um, maybe a, a particular production that you've been involved with. Um, yeah, because I mean that's the next thing isn't it, yeah. that I moved out of teaching yeah. and went into education with industry for, a, and I've sort of stayed there for a very long time. You're still there. I am still there. Yeah. Um, and so that comes with its other highlights, that, that's interesting to look at then you're, then in that you're advocating for education and industry. So yeah. it doesn't stop. It just you just have to re, re shift and go. Okay, now I instead of yeah instead of advocating for art within education, I'm now advocating for education within art, um, and and finding a new language to do that. Um, in terms of answering your question though about uh, productions, um, any production that has a really powerful story. So I think. Um, oh gosh. And you know me, I'm challenging. There's too many. There are too many. I think in recent times, probably Yellow Moon, uh, uh, which was a really powerful piece um, about young people really on the edge. Um, and I think really watching audiences experience that was really amazing for me. So watching young Muslim women see a Muslim woman, on st a Muslim mm -hmm. woman being played on stage uh, the awkward moments in that that became beautiful. Um, so you're watching the uh, watching audience is my favourite thing to do, particularly young audiences. So that was really special because of the cult, the, what we created around that. I think. And it's funny you say watching audiences because mm. I remember um, Danny Gox's uh, article on um, Moliere, and it was also a traverse space. So he wrote the whole review from the perspective of the audience member's expressions, the mm. facial expressions of the mm. audience member. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> right. And then earlier, I suppose, um, Playbox, I would say um, Exit the King oh, was yeah. pretty special with Geoffrey Rush and um, sitting in a cafe and on the mezzanine and interviewing Geoffrey Rush is probably <laughs> a bit of a highlight. Um, was was really cool. Um, and just an amazing production. And I think also, um, Doing the Odyssey in the workshop. Did you see the Odyssey? We did. We did. A, we converted the workshop into a theatre space and created this amazing show. That was that the Michael Cantor's mm, production. Yeah, and I it, saw that was, it. I it was, loved it. It was amazing. It was. It, it was such an event, and it's those events. It was I think in the Acker Centre around the corner. It was in the workshop at well, um, workshop space. Yeah, it was it. in the workshop yeah. space. So they built the set in there and then left it there and then just put the stadium seating in. Um, so that I guess those events. You remember those big events, and mm. and also what was the impact for the young people who came, who were just like, oh my God, I'm sitting in a workshop, and I'm sitting on this stadium seating, and I'm seeing this incredible set, and and all these sort of like really challenging ideas and mythology and stuff like that, and so you know that I get excited that they're going to get excited. Yeah. 
So I mean, it is the classic tale, isn't yeah. it? And and it was told in such an innovative and exciting, yeah. visceral way, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Except Michael, of course, did decide that everyone in Hades would be nude two days <laughs> before it opened, and so we had to ring all the schools and go, "Oh, there is nudity now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there was the classic tale of uh, there was a Catholic school that was coming, and I went, "Oh my God, I didn't speak to you on the phone," and I went up to her and said, "You have to leave at interval." She said, "Why?" I said, "There's nudity in the second half." And she went, "Oh, damn." <laughs> So she took the girls home and then they got really angry with her and said, we have to go back and see the rest of that show. Nudity or no nudity. And so I think, they, I think they quietly did that. But yeah, so that, that, was really, that was really fun. Anxious, but, um, but fun, yeah. But it is, those, the highs for me in those shows are, as I said, the excitement of knowing that I really believed that the young people coming to see it would be deeply excited and deeply moved by mm. it. And you sort of get that sense after and a And challenged. And challenged by it, as I guess yeah. you do in the work that you choose for your students to explore. And when you've been in a place for a while, you go, this is going to push really them. ignite yeah. them and push them. Yeah. Yeah. So those things are the highlights. Cool. Yeah. Um, collaborators and mentors. Oh, gee. <laughs> um, I, I worked with Rob Galbraith quite a lot, the dear Rob Galbraith, and I still miss him deeply. I found him um, quite influential textbook-wise, um, theoretically, practically, um, honestly, authentically. I, I really enjoyed working with Rob. On, that was on the monologue panel in the early days mm. and also so I, I miss him a lot he was quite influential in my thinking around what text is and types of texts and stuff like that he was great mm. yeah so I, I think um, who else did I work with Stuart Bell so I worked with Stuart for nearly nine years at Halebury um, and of the first female Arts. Remember he's the still arts. at Halebury. He's still at Halebury. He's been there for thirty something years. Mm. Mm. Most all his teaching career. Wow. Yeah, but what Stuart is for me is a person, and this you find this I think in in schools is people can have longevity, but they have, there's a constant reinvention and reiteration of self as they grow and as schools change as they invariably do. I think you're one of those people, Ellie. And just <laughs> um, yeah, and and so finding new ways of working with new groups of young people who come through and principals and what what is it that I do so that reflective practice um, so I, I and he was um, I think he was absolutely instrumental for me in building my confidence to be able to move into directing whole shows so because um, I hadn't I'd only done sort of small stuff at Berwick we never did musicals or anything like that mm. but so I he went away on long service leave and I got to direct the musical <laughs> and, what was um, that musical? It was um, Man of La Mancha. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was more mentors, but collaborators? So I think great people I've collaborated with. Well, um, Stuart and I collaborated beautifully, um, except when he decided to reduce the stage area at one point and I'd <laughs> choreographed the whole opening. But no, very much so. Vision, we'd sit and we'd talk. Um, in terms of... I think in terms of shows, most drama teachers tend to go to those productions where we do get to work collaboratively. Um, in terms of industry, Margaret Stephen, who I worked with at Malthouse Playbox, and still I'm very good friends with, and has, she has now begun her own theatre company in Adelaide. <coughs> um, yes, syn synergy and ideas about what is it that 
we want this organisation to be able to offer and what do we want to offer this organisation. So lots of synergy and we, we job shared so we had to find that but we found it easily. There was a, a similar philosophy in how we regarded young people and how we regarded education and how we wanted this organisation to um, acknowledge that. Because, I, I mean, I, again, from my knowledge of you, Meg, I, I know that you're very much into sustainable arts practice mm. and you're very much into Indigenous culture mm. um, and celebrating mm. those things and exploring ways of exploring that within the arts. Um, the, the collaborators that you've worked with in those areas? Yeah, so Jo Raphael is um, a really great, well she's a colleague and a friend and we've worked a lot on Round Sustainable. So we put the guidelines together for, for Green, the, the national guidelines for Drama Australia, which need a rethink now as, as things do and a re-foregrounding in people's thinking about what's actually out there, which is the point of this archive project, because we forget. <laughs> um, so Joe Raphael, and again, philosophically around sustainability and practice and stuff like that. The other, um, you know, I've, more recently I've begun working with, I've worked with Obiduri Theatre Company for a long time, even at Playbox when they were doing Stolen and when Tammy Anderson was building her solo work around I Don't Want to Play House, which was about Indigenous experience of domestic violence. And Tammy and I have stayed firm friends and I've, we've sort of promoted each other's work. And uh, um, uh, yeah, so she, she's, a, she's been great to collaborate with. And in fact, education was actually gave her that break in that solo work. So we feel really affirmed by that, mm. that we took on that solo work and helped develop it and then put it out there in the world for her. And it's has, she hasn't stopped performing it. So she's been um, amazing to work with. And then more recently, Kamara Bell-Wicks at Elbidjuri, um, I've been working with her on building an education program, um, mainly with the nuts and bolts, because Kam Kamara is such a skilled and visionary educator herself, and also is Indigenous, and that's not an experience that I can talk about but I can offer her ways of playing in that space mm. that will allow her to bring her particular lived experience to that so and Elbidjiri under Rachel Mazza is um, quite extraordinary such a different company to what it was 15 years ago um, so that's a privilege and a huge learning thing for me mm. so I, I like I, I, you know you talk about highlights I think they're those deep learning moments as well across the you know the where you years. as a professional teaching artist are absolutely growing. Yeah. are growing and then you know with MTC Susie Thomas and I have been collaborating for a long time as well in building research projects and ecology as I call it very research word ecology around um, about the work that they do and and um, Virginia, who's in that seat um, in the executive producer now, is very much a fan of that and, and how we, how we um, uh, position young people with respect cool. within the company. So I've been lucky, unfortunate. I've been able to work with really great people in a variety of ways, but all of them deep learning experiences. Awesome. Mm. Um, and talking about learning experiences, mm. professional learning experiences that have... Oh have been particularly resonant? Yeah. Um, always the drama Victoria Conference. <laughs> I do, I learn something and, and it's interesting because I look at the program and I always try every year to do something completely outside my comfort zone that's new, that I don't feel comfortable with. Um, often a practice-based thing, sometimes a digital technology thing or a revisiting 
of something that I haven't visited for a long time and go, mm. what, to, what, what have I forgotten about this? So I find, that, I find the conference really incredible. Um, I did... Oh, gee, so many. <laughs> Uh, I, I went to a f actually I went to a fantastic conference last year, the International Teaching Artists Conference, and there was um, an amazing woman from Papua New Guinea. This is again is this learning thing who works with community using applied theatre and drama to uh, to combat domestic violence, which is absolutely entrenched in Papua New Guinean culture. Mm. Men's ro women's roles are so diminished and so um, lessened just by cultural and tribal factors and she uses that and even though that's not something I will be doing it just reminded me of the power of what we can do to make change mm. um, in that's a, an extreme community but even so it again it reminds me well when I'm working with young people in a in a in a, in a space be it a school or a studio or whatever I have the words I choose and the actions and the, the content that I shape with, for them or with them is absolutely critical mm. to potential moments of transformation. So that was an amazing workshop to go to. Cool. Just, yeah. Um, advice that you would pass on oh. to the beginning drama teacher. Okay, don't get too enthusiastic. <laughs> you will burn out. <laughs> but, but, you know, so save your energy and pace yourself. But, um, I, uh, because I do work with pre-service teachers, I just find them extraordinary. And one of the things, one of the things that I think makes them extraordinary, I'm getting to the advice bit, is how richly we have developed the curriculum in Victoria, so that we're getting very skilled young people come through the drama teaching. Like I went into Rusden didn't know anything about it. I danced, but you know, hey, well, and the methodology was, you know, drama method was like one, one hour a week or something like that, and you meant to know how to teach everything. These guys are coming from the most amazing backgrounds, and so they're offering, um, but it's, it's about, my advice to, to young people graduating is to spend an entire year getting to know the culture of the school, mm -hmm. to know what, what, who is whom in the school, who, you know, everyone, there are, you know, there are politics in schools and there are shapes of schools and there are uh, rules around schools and each school is on little microculture. So really get to know that and then to work within it and then if you feel like busting out, then know how you can bust out. <laughs> yeah. So what about secrets to longevity in a, in a, in a drama teaching career? Cause oh, yeah. yeah. Um, learning. Never feeling secure that you know everything. And um, it's like when you would do assessment each year. I've been assessing like you have for a very long time, but I never, I never come to it thinking I know what an A plus looks like. Mm. I come to it going, I know I need to. I'm working with new assessors this year, in a, with kids who are five years down, a whole generation of learning down the track from when I might have been looking at it ten years ago, and culture shifts so quickly for young people. So it's about learning, and. I think that's great advice. Um, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to apply it to self. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if we were packing a metaphoric suitcase for mm -hmm. Up, Up and Away on this retrospective journey through Meg Upton's career and life, mm -hmm. um, what would be inside that suitcase? What, oh, all, what? My, all my scripts. Yeah. I have hundreds and hundreds of scripts. And you keep them? Keep them all, all in yeah. hard copy, um, overflowingly so. Um, which I dip into and, and it's really cool because I use it all the time because young people go, oh, 
I need a script for X. And I go, oh, well, there's this one and 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 this one. <laughs> so you can say that and then you can point them to where you, you know, get it. So all my scripts will be in that. All my feather bowers, <laughs> all my bowler hats, all my bag of fabric that is, I track around to every single workshop I ever do. Um, uh, what else would I put in it? So there's tools. They're tools that I would use. Um, I love the fact that feather bowers made yeah, it in there. Yeah, yeah. feather bowers are <laughs> infinitely interesting um, and offer so much. People used them yesterday in our um, Indigenous workshop oh, you cool. know, for satire and for representation of stuff like that. And I think. Um, uh, Any books? Yeah, I've got a lot of books. I've Specific got, books that you... Oh, Acting in Person and in Style, yep. which is my favourite book of all time. And I've got, I don't have the Crawford one. I don't have... Um, that's that's so, such a key one. Um, the four... The four um, drama one, drama two, drama three, drama four, Emma Burgess and Pam Gordry, I think. Okay. I still think they're amazing, yep. even though they're written 20 years ago, <laughs> 25 years ago. Extraordinary. I think they're on our bookshelf somewhere. But they're amazing. Yeah. They've still got stuff in them. Um, 100 plus things to do in drama. Rob Galbraith's um, You're On, uh, Bruce Burton's um, Living Drama, um, uh, there's a couple of oh, I'm just trying to think I have so many I've got a beautiful book about perform 20th, 20th century performance art I think we need another mummer interview just to mm -hmm. do the artifacts inside yeah. inside there's, that metaphor stuff suitcase. that have to come yeah stuff <laughs> that would have to come and photos you know memories you know photographs of, of shows and people you've worked with um, and kids mm. Yeah, and knowing that they're all out there, like I've got a beautiful, my head of drama from 92 is out there in LA doing amazing stuff. Not in acting, but his Facebook things are always about remember that time when we were standing at the photocopier and, and you said, fuck. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, because I'd left him out of the program. <laughs> Okay, so sorry about that. that. That will be edited, but it was just that moment where I said, Matt, I'm just about to swear really badly, and I just went. <laughs> and he went, Yeah, that's okay, miss. <laughs> now we have apparently one minute left, yeah. and in that time, I just want to ask you about your involvement with the association yeah, yeah, yeah. Drama Victoria, Drama Australia, etc., etc. Um, you've had yeah. a long involvement. But not as long as other people, and it's really funny because um, I think the 90s I was very much teaching and, and quite a little bit insular, I thought. Um, and in a sort of, Halebury was a bit of a gobble you up and spit you out, sort of, and I became a mum and so on, all, all that sort of stuff. I, I don't think I didn't actually join. I didn't think about joining the Committee of Drama Victoria till about 2001, 2002. So then I was, I found it fantastic. Richard Salas was in on in the chair, and Jim Lawson was in the chair, um, in terms of DOP. And then I left, and then I came back to it. And then since then, I've been on the Drama Australia Committee, which has been a whole new thing in terms of a national picture, but also trying to filter that down into members and say, hey we are part of a national family and so for me those things are really important and also research you know I'm now a researcher and trying to sell that is sometimes a bit tough for people who are just doing practice <laughs> but um, those are the those are the missions the what can I give back um, and then what can being on that drama Victorian drama strip teach me again about myself and my practice and how I'm thinking about that. So again, it's it's a reciprocity that I think is really important, and I thoroughly recommend it. <laughs> Join. Did we make it in time? Sort of. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Meg. Oh, thanks, Ellie.
Well, that's all from us at The Aside. There are 49 other Mama interviews you might like to listen to, so please do feel free to go and find those and have a listen. Thank you to all the people involved in conducting the Mama interviews. The list is extensive. Happy 50th birthday to Drama Victoria, and thank you to the 50 legends for giving us their time. If you would like to ask the aside a question, or you have a suggestion for a future episode, please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening.